Welcome to Architecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by a special guest, Per Sandel, who is the VP of product for Spotify, working on the ads products. Per, thank you for being here. Thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So just to start out, I think everyone knows Spotify. I'm a subscriber, so I don't hear that many ads. But the advertising business is pretty big. You want to take us through how big this is, what you report publicly, and the scale of the business? Yeah, we've been having a really exciting couple of years here at Spotify and growing the ads business. And starting really, I think, in 2019, we've actually been able to increase the ad business about 2.4 times since then, from about $675 million to roughly in the mid-billion-and-a-half range. And so for us, it's been pretty exciting. You know, we're adding a fair number of advertisers every year and really growing that at a global level. So our product and our offering is, is a global service. And so that's allowed us to really kind of build our ads business, not just in North America, but also in Europe and APAC and India, as well as LATAM. And so we've been pretty excited about the growth that we've been able to see. And, you know, looking at that across audio ads, video ads and display, we're seeing substantial growth for us on our video side. And I think that's one of the areas that's pretty exciting about our future is kind of merging that sound on notion that we see in video advertising and merging that really with what we've seen in the success from the audio side. So for us, it's been a really exciting couple of years and we're pretty excited to keep building on our journey right now. And I think we've got a lot of exciting product releases that we can talk about today that are coming up ahead and some that we've done in the last year. Yeah, I'd love to hear all about that. So in roughly in terms of size, it's running around the $2 billion run rate annually. I think I saw 470 last quarter in US dollars. Yeah, I think looking at the Q3 number, we haven't reported Q4 yet. So looking at Q3, I think that that's roughly about right where we are in the run rate perspective. And I think there's a lot more, I think, headroom for us as we continue to grow and continue to optimize our products. And our teams are getting better and better at that every day. So I think we're pretty excited about our long-term growth potential. Yeah, to give some perspective to the listener, a number we've quoted a number of times is that the entire podcast market for advertising in the U.S. is approximately $2 billion. That's according to the IAB. So that gives you a comparison in terms of how how large Spotify is. So as a naive person who I love Spotify, but I pay for it, mm-hmm. are we really only talking about people who don't pay for it? Or is the ad business bigger than that? I think this is actually a pretty common misconception with our business today. And so for our premium users, we do provide them ad-free listening in music, That's definitely a service that both you and I have paid for in our lives. I I thankfully, as an employee, get it for free now, which is great. So huge perk. But for our premium users, as well as our free subscribers around the world, in the podcast side of the business, we do actually put advertising in front of 100% of those users that are there. And so when we cut our market, it's really like music-free users and then all users from the podcast side. Okay. Yeah, and it seems like it has pretty different dynamics. So I think we should probably talk about them a little bit differently I would actually like to start with the podcast because I think it's interesting. So in the podcast side of things, obviously, I run a podcast and I sell my own ads and Spotify doesn't put ads in front of them. So maybe you can take us through, like, what is the business model of the podcast ads? Are they podcasts that you produce and that you own or exclusive or how does the supply side work? Yeah, it's a very complex ecosystem. And coming into Spotify, I had a lot to learn about podcasts and how those monetize, the different delivery mechanisms, the different ad products. And I think as we think about pods in general, there's really kind of two models that we have in the podcast world. We've got the standard larger scale DAI ads, dynamic ad insertion. And that allows for you to monetize whether that's a streaming area and you're putting an ad in and or it's something that is downloaded into a third party app where the download happens. You really pull that MP3 file over RSS into a podcast product where you're doing your listening and ads are inserted kind of as it's pulled and fetched into that product and rendered in that area. 
On the Spotify side, we also have a separate piece of tech that we use in our internal systems when ads are being played on Spotify that we call SAI or streaming ad insertion. And because it's ad tech, we have to put a lot of acronyms in place. It's kind of just par for the course. Course. So as we move in that direction, our hosting products that we offer both Megaphone and Spotify for podcasters, uh, which was Anchor's kind of evolution into the Spotify ecosystem, allow for a user to come in and kind of check a box and enable that Spotify demand to come into those solutions to make sure that podcasters are able to generate revenue based off the you know creative work that they've done. And so for us, very similar to the rest of the internet, it really is kind of monetizing that engagement time that we have with those two different methods, kind of our SAI and our DAI products that we offer today. And you'd mentioned kind of in your question, kind of the difference between third-party podcasts, something like yours, or something like we're looking at from our O&L podcast that we license on the Spotify side. And so, you know, I think kind of the core difference that we have there is some of those products that we license directly in those podcasts that we make, we may sell those on kind of like a title-specific level, like, oh, I really want to buy, you know, this podcast, and Emma Chamberlain is so exciting, I want to put my ad into her content. And those are areas where we might sell that in like an individual specific show level. But as we kind of go broader and we think about kind of blending across the SAI pods and the DAI pods we have in place, we have a product that is a mix of those that we call SPAN. And that's really kind of our large scale, high reach product that we sell into pods. That's essentially an audience network across any pod that has opted into that area. And we've seen a lot of podcasters opt into that because we do, and you know, kind of talking about the size of the podcast business as you were before and the demand that we have. We have a lot of demand to kind of fuel this ecosystems and the growth of it and making sure that, you know, creators are monetizing as best as possible. And so our span product kind of spans across both of those. And that really allows us to make sure that we can optimize and deliver value to the creator, regardless of if that consumption happens on Spotify or it happens in a third party application. Right. That makes sense. So for the big podcasts, especially the premium ones that you rep, that may be an individual deal. Do you do host red for those podcasts? We do do a fair amount of host reds from our team directly. And that's actually a pretty interesting ad product. I think if you find a product that the host likes, I think that's where it is the most exciting. There's very few mediums left in advertising where it's not just putting an ad in front of you, but it's actually like true passion for the product. And I think that's where the host red ads are, are so great. We spend a lot of time on our product development team actually talking to, to Bill Simmons. And, you know, he's got quite a big podcast network with The Ringer. And we get a lot of feedback from him about the host reds and kind of what ones he wants to look at. And then also, how does he think about these? And how does he think about the engagement with the product? And I think there's very few services where true passion for the product can be interlaced with the advertising that a brand wants to do. And when you have that opportunity... I don't think that there's a better ad that exists either on the internet or television or print or anywhere than somebody who's got true passion for the exact product. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, my podcast, I do host red, not on this medium that you and I are talking about, but we do a podcast every Friday. It's gotten quite popular and we do host red ad tech podcasts and it's very effective. At least that's what I tell people when they're paying for it. <laughs> uh, so uh, just to close out this topic. So on the dynamic podcast ad insertion. Is there some vetting of the podcasts are allowed in? Is there a minimum amount of listenership? What's the parameters that would allow someone to opt into that? Yeah. So I think in our model, our eventual goal is that any creator can monetize on the Spotify stack. Where we are today, obviously, you know, as we continue to build and reinvent some of this technology and some of this podcast tech is quite complex. You know, you're dealing with multiple different companies. You've got a lot of data restrictions due to regulation in other areas and Apple kind of moving into that space. And I think for us, long-term goal is that everybody can monetize. 
And I, I think, and I'll have to come back to you over email the exact number, but I think it's either 5,000 or 1,000 listeners on a pod. And then we start the monetization for that particular pod. It has an opportunity to monetize. And you see this with a lot of other platforms. You know, you look at something like YouTube, they've got like the beginner, intermediate, advanced as you upload a video. And based off how big you are, you get certain different features in different areas. And so, you know, I think making sure that that is not a complex process for the creator is one of the things that we're spending the most amount of time on because as we were joking before about acronyms, ad tech is tough and figuring out how to monetize in the right way is really complex for many people out there. And we need to make sure that the tools and software we build are scalable, easy to use, and actually provide value versus provide confusion. Both of us haven't worked in a long time for an ad tech there's much that provides confusion and we need to make sure that we're not doing that. It's, they've already a hard job creating this content. We need to make sure that they can monetize it easy and effectively. Yeah, absolutely. So on the music side, I think it's pretty simple. Do you have any sense of the ad load? Like how many how many minutes of ads per hour people listen to? So some of that on, on the music side varies based off the user and your consumption. Some of it is also, you know, some areas of contractual obligations that we have with our partners on the label side. And it's not the same for any one user. We've done a lot of work about relevance over the last 18 months and making sure that, you know, we understand what the impact of an ad is on top of that user. And, and ultimately, we want to make sure that they have the best experience. And so it's hard to say, like, this is the ad load for the user. There is, you know, kind of an average that we look at, but it's not something that we've kind of disclosed externally. Got it. Okay, let's swap over to the buy side of your stack because that's probably a little more interesting. So I want to buy ads. I want to I want to have people listen to my ads. What are my options available? Like, I guess let's start with targeting, then talk creative, and then maybe optimization. Yeah, I, there's a lot that's been going on there of the recent time. And I think one of the areas that I'm most excited about is the evolution of our self-service tech that we've brought in place and Spotify Ad Studio, free to use, up there, open anybody. You can go to ads.spotify.com and sign up and get right in. And we offer a number of options there. And so I think first and foremost, we allow you to say basically, oh, I want to buy music or I want to buy pods or I want to use kind of something that we've brought in, which is like an automatic placement. Like I've got an audio asset or a video asset. I just want to run that across all of Spotify, whether it's pods or music. So we allow them basically to choose audio or video and put that into the system, choose the placement location, very similar to what you've seen probably from some other tech products that are out there. And then as we move into the targeting area, you can target by genre. We've got first-party audiences that we've constructed. We have some third-party audience offerings that we've brought in with partnerships. And so there's a lot of control that you can have there. Um, we've also brought in, very similar to what you've seen probably in, in competitive platforms to ours, is kind of this objective-based buy flow that allows you to say, oh, I want to choose kind of optimizing for clicks or optimizing for this specific outcome or video views. And I'm actually right now, actually, I was just doing this before, but I've been beta testing an internal build of a podcast streams objective. So if you wanted to come in and buy new listeners from your pods, we actually offer that as an opportunity that'll be coming out very soon in the Spotify Ad Studio product. And that allows us to basically use the machine learning engines that we have behind the scenes to optimize for the lowest cost new listener or reoccurring listener into the tech. So we're pretty excited about the expansion that we've seen there. The targeting options we have are very robust. We have a substantial amount of engagement data on the platform. And if you, you think about kind of users of Spotify, They've really been around for a while. You know, it's a, it's a relatively mature company at this point. And we've amassed a pretty significant amount of data that we can use for some of the machine learning as well as for some of the targeting segments. Yeah, so I want to just dive into that a little bit. Like, what does your first data user profile feel like given that 
well, my devil's advocate position would be that the type of music you listen to is probably not very useful for advertising. So convince me I'm wrong, I guess, or tell me what other data you have. <laughs> yeah. So I think I can convince you that you're wrong. It is pretty telling when you think about like the result of like what a stream is. And so I think if we break down a stream kind of to like that level of an atom and expand out from there, we can kind of talk about it. So when you make that initial Git request for the music file that's going to be streamed back on you, we try to turn that around in like a, like a millisecond back to you so you have the best listening experience possible. And the consumer product does an absolutely amazing job about this. But, you know, obviously Spotify is 100% logged in. So we know that you're logged in. So that means the data that we have on you as an individual about what you've provided us during the signup flow, probably your birth date, probably your email address, you know, some other pieces of metadata that you know we have, names, et cetera. Uh, name, et cetera, it's not really a targetable thing. So we kind of let's throw that one out. But that also allows us to, where allowed, we can use things like IP address. And so we can really understand the context of where you are and what you're listening to. And so you know, if we see every morning that you know, you're waking up you're making requests. Maybe it's the Talking Heads, one of my favorite bands. And that's what you listen to every day to get your day going. And then all of a sudden, we see that you're you know, making a request from a different location. And you know now it's classical music. And you're really kind of in that work mode. I think that combination of what you're listening to, plus the location, plus the device that you're listening on, provides us with a really unique opportunity to understand what type of advertising product we should give you when we're looking at that from a relevance perspective. And so if we know that you know your location is continually moving, and you know we have that information, but you know you're only moving at about four miles an hour. Probably not a great time to send you a direct response ad. But if we see you kind of in a much more static position, and you're kind of consuming and looking at kind of the same type of content over and over, that may be more of an opportunity for us to kind of put something that is action oriented and really demands an outcome. And so I think you know when we think about that split between like performance, direct response, and brand advertising there allows us to have a lot of context between what information we have on our service and how we render that ad back to the end user. Right. So you have you have these profiles, you have email address, which is great. You have birth, date of birth, you have location, probably have really good cross device because people listen on their computer and their phones. All right. So there's a lot of really valuable stuff there. You mentioned third party. So you can link by email address or IP address and bring in third party data. And then is there any third party data that's particularly, you know, strong or that you talk about publicly? Yeah. So, you know, that kind of moves us to some of the other products and like sales methods that we have and our spam product, kind of like our, our podcast ad network. That is obviously one that we use a lot of third party data to, to link to IP. And those areas, if you, you want to buy kind of like a, a GRP or something in that and layer in, you know, a third party segment. That's a very effective way to do it because that allows us to basically render those advertisements attached to third party for on-platform consumption. But then as the third party fetches over RSS or done into different podcast apps, we can actually put those same ads in with the same targeting because we'll have that IP address. And I think that's one of the concerns kind of with that like DAI ecosystem is like, can I really target in this environment? And, you know, by using Spotify's span product, you can really target into that. And I think you know, outside of host reds, I think some of the podcast ads that feel very untargeted and very irrelevant, we're really trying to avoid that problem in our ecosystem. And I listen to a lot of pods, obviously, on my side. And so I want to make sure that those ads are relevant because me as a user, I still get ads, even though I am a premium user. And I, I want to make sure that my experience is as good as possible. And so making sure we have the data in there is important. Yeah. Follow up question, just because I'm interested on the podcast side, do you do learning on the transcripts to target? It's an interesting question. And I think right now, 
where our efforts are focused in the machine learning area of the transcripts. And I, I think you may have seen a demo of this actually that came out over the fall is about translating those pods <laughs> off the transcript and right. using ML to make sure that we can get a larger audience for any specific pod. And I think that's actually a pretty exciting like long-term advertising approach because you know if you think about your pod right now, your ad dollars are very much restricted to English language only. Sure. But, you know, if we can translate you and I talking into a dozen different languages, now all of a sudden you're out there hustling for ads in Saudi Arabia, you're out there hustling for ads in Sweden, maybe Mexico as well. And I think it provides a lot more opportunity for creators to maximize their earnings in a way that they could never could have before without the tech that Spotify provides them. Yeah. And I want to also follow up once again, just for my personal interest. Have you ever proven the musical genre is useful for targeting? like for that a product will be correlated with certain genres? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the, the easiest example is like ticketing companies or concert providers or concert promoters. That's like a very low hanging yeah. fruit. And so like very much a softball question to, to my answer. But <laughs> I do think that there's a, a fair amount that can be correlated between those two areas. You know, somebody who listens to like a, a lot more electronic music, they're probably not going to be like as good of a target as somebody who's like clearly in that old like classic rock genre yeah. where it's like that person I want to sell the most expensive set of headphones to because they do care about the quality of the audio in those areas. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, if you know your customer and you know what your customer is passionate about, this can be leveraged for very high opportunity in return. Yeah, it's very correlated with age, basically. Mm -hmm. And maybe location. Okay, let's move on from tr targeting to creative. So creative has always been an issue in the audio business from local radio stations recording on behalf of their customers. So how do your advertisers, especially self-serve, get around the creative problem? Yeah, great question. So I fully agree with you on this one. And audio is tough because you don't have a visual hook. And in both of our you know, previous lives, visual hooks have been very important in how we think about an ad and think about getting them in. And so for us in the audio perspective, we need to make sure that those first couple seconds of that audio ad are providing that hook. And so obviously with our managed service side of the business, we've got creative teams that are there to help us out. We've got great partnerships with our creative agencies, but in the self-service area, that's where it actually gets pretty exciting and pretty interesting. And so within Ad Studio today, we have a couple partnerships that we've built in with things like Voice Bunny and a few other areas where you can come in and you can type a script and it gets sent out and then you get an audio file back. Or, you know, you can kind of send a script out to somebody and they can return that back. But long term, I think that this is probably an area where AI and, and you know, text to speech provides us with a lot of opportunity in the future. But it's something that, you know, we also have to be quite diligent and cautious about as we roll out and kind of think about where we want to take these products. Because you know, as we were talking about before, there's nothing worse than a bad ad. And we also right. want to make sure that things don't sound the same in every single ad. Like using social media a lot, you hear the, like that very default TikTok voice and you hear it. And you're like, oh, I'll mute my audio. This is horrible. <laughs> and so from our perspective, we want to make sure that we're providing AI solutions in the long term that allow for this. Basically, like you type it in, you can, you know, kind of use services to then help enrich that script and make it important to you. And this is probably not something that is in the near term, but long term, I've really wanted to build, and this is also like a personal thing for me, kind of a long-term passion product, but we've both built a lot of like kind of retargeting services over our career that kind of render ads from products, catalogs, and SKUs in those areas. And I think that audio plus a product catalog plus AI 
provides potentially the most exciting long-term ad products that we can innovate on. And as we get better at machine learning, I think that's going to be a very interesting one. And like, can we assemble that on the fly? Can we understand what's going on here? And can we use this metadata that we have in kind of like this Google PLA format to render back a pretty interesting creative that's in place? And I'm hoping that, you know, as we continue to grow and and scale our ads business, we're building towards that direction because from a product perspective, I can't think of anything more interesting and exciting to build than that. It's a pretty interesting problem to auto-create ads, but not to make all the ads that are auto-create sound the same. I never really thought about that. Do you uh, quality control and review audio ads before they go live? Yes. We have an ad review process that's in our system. Some of it is automated, obviously, with machine learning due to our scale, and some of it is manual. Got it. On your website, you talk a lot about video ads. How does that fit into the mix? Is it only when someone happens to be watching, have the app open looking at video, that one of those ads will show? Yes. Only happens kind of when you're in the foreground consumption environment. And I think for us on the Spotify perspective, there's a lot more foreground consumption than I think many people understand in Spotify, mm-hmm. particularly with our expansion into pods. This is an area where video for us has been like a pretty solid driver. And we see that as a big opportunity for us. And so we've started to kind of integrate video ads into the podcast area so we can kind of play those if you're watching it in foreground. And obviously, you know, if you hit the side button on your phone, we'll switch that to audio when it, when it happens there. But if you're in the foreground, we're going to try to render a video ad for you in that environment. Right. Otherwise, it's a weird consumption experience. It's like you're going from a video and then there's like a blank screen with an audio or maybe there's a little image in the middle and then it goes to the next one. So video has been big for pods for us. And then we've also started to integrate a few areas of video into what we call our, our now playing view or NPV, which is when you swipe up on the screen of a pod or something in those areas. There's that like kind of bottom screen that comes up oftentimes where like lyrics or more information might be. We've started to put basically a muted video ads into that environment. And that's been something that is, you know, really an opt-in for the user. And I think when you provide a user the opportunity to opt into the ad, particularly if it's video, it allows for significantly higher levels of impact from that ad to its performance and eventual ROI because there's intent going into it. And then you can capture that intent long-term with measurement and performance. That kind of brings up the next kind of general subject about tracking and optimization. So it appears from your website that your tracking and optimization is relatively upper funnel. It's clicks, it's video completes, it's website visits. There's no conversion optimization, even though there is a pixel. I'm not asking you to kind of defend or say that's a good thing. I just kind of would love to hear a little bit about who are the types of advertisers and what are they trying to accomplish on your platform? Yeah, I think probably a two-part question there. So I think first, you're absolutely right that, you know, we're getting started a little bit later in the game on the measurement side and kind of building some of those areas. And in 2023, we were working to kind of rebuild what was called Podsites, which is a company that we acquired that had a pixel as well as things like a conversion API and measurement offerings. And we now offer that as a standalone free product that we call Spotify Ad Analytics, where you can get much more robust and in-depth insights about your media, whether that's done on Spotify or it's done somewhere else within the pod ecosystem. That's a free-to-use product. Definitely, if, if you want to check it out, I can kind of help walk you through that uh, at the end here. It's pretty cool, and we're pretty excited about the long-term future there. And so I think We will obviously see more optimization models based off that data. And last year, we've also started to work and integrate with a couple mobile measurement partners, as well as SK Ad Network in that environment to provide some of that lower funnel area. And I think for us, you like, we need to capture a little bit of information and data about who and what and what type of ads convert. 
as we start to build the optimization models kind of long-term and have the output of the exhaust, make sure that you're rendering and providing the right performance. But in terms of the advertisers that we have in the platform today, we're probably mostly an upper and a mid-funnel business right now. And I think we can provide incredible results to advertisers there. And we are working to kind of expand that to long tail and bringing in more of kind of those medium and small businesses, particularly digital natives into the area in our 24 plants. But, you know, for us today, definitely upper and mid-funnel. What's your elevator pitch about why people should advertise on Spotify? It's like radio, terrestrial radio works and it's going down in volume. So we're the best option or is there something more subtle to it? <laughs> I, you know, I think there's, there's a few things that are more subtle to it. And, you know, first, I think it, it really it comes down to the time spent on our service. Like we have an unbelievable amount of time spent on Spotify and we're also audio on. And the service doesn't really work without audio on. And if you think back to like the early days of OLV, we were all touting like, oh, it's our video, but the audio is on. So it really works really well because the audio message lands. And so for us, I think, you know, time spent and engagement is, is pretty critical to that area of sales pitch. And then alternatively, I think depending on the brand, we've also been growing like absolute gangbusters in Gen Z. And, you know, the consumption times there are are pretty high and the growth that we've seen in that audience base is astronomical. And I think, you know, if we're looking to a lot of brands that are, you know, trying to be either challengers or trying to grow within a very tough audience, the Gen Z angle is, is something that we think is pretty important to, you know, the future of both our core product, but also the future of the advertising partners that we have on the platform. So I think, you know, audio on and engagement and Gen Z are probably pretty strong areas of our elevator pitch. I'll buy that. Is there any way to buy ads except through your console? Or is it a full wall garden or can you buy through other sources? Oh, you can absolutely buy through other sources today. We have a direct business where you know you can you still kind of sign a paper IO with us and kind of move a paper's probably it's probably digital. I don't I don't think we're in that area. But um, you know, things like host reds and some of those show by show areas, that's yeah. a really hard product to bring to self-service. And so, you know, we still do have kind of like our, our high touch areas where we, we have that handled. And we do also have some third party demand that comes into our system. And we've got a couple of great partners that have been helping us build in that area over kind of, you know, like the RTB protocols in into the our environment. And so like I, I don't think that we are like a walled garden in the way that we would define walled garden. Sure. I think we're um, sort of like a, a fenced-in small village with a lot of different <laughs> attributes. A wee little village up in the, the Norwegian <laughs> countries. Um, so which, <laughs> would you disclose which SSP you could buy directly through? We can get back to you with a full list of that one. We've got a number okay. of partners there. Are they standard SSPs or are they like podcast-specific ones? Nah, standards. Standards, right? So if I if I'm a trade desk user or a DV three sixty user, I should be able to buy Spotify. Yes, sort of ish. It's sort of you just gave me a look like one of those audio sort of. It doesn't work exactly what you think it does. You have to use a no, fast tag and pretend it's video kind of. We we do a fair amount of work with both Google and the Trade Desk, and I think they're they're both exceptional companies in this space, and have been doing some pretty innovative things. And I think we've also been doing some pretty interesting partnerships with Roku as well. And I think that's one that's probably worth like us talking about here. And when it comes to CTV, I think that's that's a pretty interesting place for us, both for video and for audio. And Roku's also been an unbelievable partner for us as we've kind of been getting that off the ground. And CTV, that's a very complex ad ecosystem, and I think there's a lot of fraud problems in, in the whole ecosystem as a whole. But um, with our partnership, I think we've done a pretty good job of making sure that that ad demand uh, gets ROI for our customers. Right. Are, are you specifically integrating with that the Roku fingerprinting authentication thing they announced? I don't think we have at this point, but 
not something that I've done a fair amount of research on. So maybe yeah. a conversation for our next round too. I think yeah, some I can't of these identity exactly services, I don't know exactly how they break down. Like what is the auth? What is the the database that's kind of their data yeah. that's passed back and forth? But uh, I don't know. If you think it's a good idea, I'm definitely going to kind of dive into it. I, I think it's it's Roku's way to make sure anything that's played on a Roku device is from them when it hits the RTV markets mm-hmm. because they were being spoofed so often by fraudulent people. Is there anything you'd like to tell us about your roadmap? Oh, great question. Well, I mentioned kind of the podcast stream subjective that we've been bringing in, and I've been spending a lot of time kind of you know working with the ML teams on that one, and I think that the machine learning there is, is pretty exciting. And then we've been pretty excited about where we're taking at Studio and scaling that up. And this year, I think we'll we'll bring in a number of new objectives. Podcast streams obviously coming early this year, but more down funnel objectives. Things like App Install, um, we're hopeful of getting out kind of in, in the near term. And I think that's going to be a pretty interesting one, particularly when that user is in focus. And we've actually developed a pretty unique ad product that sits inside of, of Spotify. And, you know, we're, we're very familiar with kind of these traditional call to actions that you see on ads across the internet in these areas. But what we've done is we actually leave a breadcrumb now of the call to action. So if you are out on that run or you're, you know, you're listening to it while you're skiing or something like that, we're going to leave basically an indicator that you had this ad and we're going to leave that CTA to power later performance when you reopen the app and you revisit it. And I think like that one-two punch provides like a pretty interesting opportunity for direct response to get in. And that's really what's building kind of the future of some of these performance products we're bringing in. Cool. So let's close this out with a quick like lightning round, some relatively quick questions. You give me relatively mm-hmm. quick answers. Keep in mind, I ask all of our guests the same questions, so they may not be super appropriate, but whatever. What is the one competitive advantage you have versus other solutions? So I'm going to answer it twice because I want to answer it for the consumer product as well. But I think on the consumer product, latency is our competitive advantage. When you press play, something immediately plays. And that is an unbelievable experience for the end user. On the ads product, I I think the competitive advantage that we have is our scale when it comes to audio. And if you think about audio, I I think we are probably in a really good position when it comes to scale, particularly in podcasts. We're a big percentage of that industry. And that allows us to innovate and I think bring a lot of pretty interesting areas around measurement in particular with things like SAI. And for us, I think getting true measurement that is you know kind of conversion based into the podcast ecosystem right down to kind of like that individual transaction is going to be a very compelling thing about what we're working on and what we're building. Got it. Um, what's your biggest product or market challenge in the ads business? <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't think there's just one now. With ads as a whole, it's expensive to build these ad products that we have as a whole, and you know we're we're investing very heavily here and trying to build the right thing. But at the same point, we're all dealing with pretty large amounts of pain from whether that's something like Apple or doing what's right for the consumers when it comes to now new data privacy laws and making sure that we can adapt in that area. And so it's getting more and more complex to build one of these ad systems. And so for us, I think probably our biggest challenge is making sure that we build a system that we're proud of and that we think is very ethical when it comes to how we handle user data. And I think that's pretty important for, for what we're trying to do is, is that level of ethics. Is there a market challenge of advertisers adopting audio? You know, before I was at Spotify, I thought there might be. But now that I've had about 18 months of kind of thinking and building on these products, it doesn't seem like that in reality. You know, I think people are really excited to partner with the brand, really excited to reach our audience. 
And as we continue to innovate around the creative formats and bring more AI and easier, faster generation into that, the barrier to entry gets lower and lower and lower. And also with the improvements that we've had to our self-service tool, that's allowed more and more small businesses to get involved. And you know, if you wanted to target a you know a small radius around your physical location with an audio ad, while your reach might not be huge, we make that very easy in the self-service tool for you to reach there. And we're pretty excited about what we see in that direction, particularly in the small business space. Awesome. Last question. If Spotify was an animal, what animal would it be? You know, harking back to, to where our headquarters is in, in, in Stockholm, I, I'm going to say that it's the reindeer. It provides a lot of joy in life and something that's really unique. And you really only see those kind of in the Nordics and coming out of the holiday season as well. I'm, I'm very pro-reindeer right now. So I, I'm going to go with reindeer. I don't think anyone's really anti-reindeer. They're, they're pretty popular among among animals. Uh, we're, two, we're recording this about two weeks after the holiday season, so I'll accept it. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. That was a great conversation. Pear, thank you so much for being here. Cool. Well, all right. Thanks so much for having me. Definitely thrilled to be here and looking forward to hearing this when it comes out and excited to spend this time hanging out and hopefully see you soon in person. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Thank you again. Thank you for subscribing to Marketecture. New interviews are added every week at Marketecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.